The knives are out, and 2020 Democrat presidential aspirants are already shiving each other. Meanwhile, over at the Democrat press office of CNN, Chris Cuomo correctly calls Don Lemon small and petty. Rumors swirl that Donald Trump will ditch Mike Pence as vice president. A university in Texas says that being respectful is now racist. And a new study shows just how much illegal aliens love welfare. I'm Michael Knowles, and this is The Michael Knowles Show. So much to get to. The 2020 race for the Democrat nomination is already on. This has nothing to do with Donald Trump. They're all going after each other. I know that I told you a few days ago that Advent is supposed to be a penitential season. We're not supposed to immediately start celebrating. We can celebrate this. This is the best part of the presidential cycle. So we'll get to that in a second. But first, let's talk about Protalis and make a little money, honey, with over 1 million happy, pain-free customers and a 97% success rate. Protalis insoles have changed the footwear industry. They've created a new level of expectation never seen before for comfortable all-day shoes. They have an unconditional 90-day love them or your money back guarantee. Custom orthotics, they can run somewhere between four dollars $800, depending on the variables. Uh, what's worst is that while most people stand to benefit greatly from correcting common unknown foot and alignment issues, most people are completely unaware or they're quite aware, uh, but they can't afford to access proper alignment. I love these guys. They are totally revolutionizing the footwear industry, and it's so easy. I just put in the insoles, and I've got uh, back problems and just uh, that run in my family, alignment problems, and you just feel better. It properly aligns your ankles. And uh, people don't know this, that hip, back, knee, upper body muscle tightness can stem from improper alignment. Uh, and that all begins in the foot. What makes Protalis unique and different than anything else is it's engineered with the intent to focus on the biomechanics of your body. They've got 100,000 positive reviews. Right now, today, my listeners can save 20 bucks per pair on any Protalis insole at Protalis.com when entering Podcast 20 at checkout. That's one of the lowest prices of the year, exclusively for our listeners. Shipping is free. They had 90-day money-back guarantee, so you have nothing to lose except the pain. Uh, Protalis.com, promo code PODCAST20. Save $20 per pair on any Protalis inside. If you buy two or more pairs, they will be upgraded to free expedited shipping. Really, really good. Get, you can get it in time for Christmas. You can get a little gift for you, too. Personally, we've gotten a gift early for Christmas. I, the Christmas has come a little bit early because of the 2020 Democrat nomination race for president. We know who the likely contenders are. Elizabeth Warren, Kamala Harris, Joe Biden, Bernie Sanders. He'll be about 175 at that point. People are talking about Kirsten Gillibrand. All these people. We know they're all, I think every single Democrat in America thinks that he has a chance to become president in 2020. And so the big mistake that these guys are making, and I knew that they were making it, they've been making it for six months, is that they're all attacking Donald Trump. They're all running right now as though they're running against Donald Trump. The theory here is that all Democrats care about right now is how much they hate Trump. That's the only motivating, unifying issue. So whoever can take the fight to Trump the hardest is going to be the one that gets the nomination. Okay, I, I see that theory. The trouble is that as they go after Trump, they are exposing themselves to other attacks that their Democrat opponents are going to use to try to knock them off before the nomination is wrapped up. The case in point of this is Elizabeth Warren. She's been in a personal feud with Donald Trump for a while now because Donald Trump calls her Pocahontas. She's the whitest lady in the country. She's less 
Native American than the average white person in America, and she pretends to be Native American to advance her professional career. Donald Trump makes fun of this, calls her Pocahontas, and she says, I'm going to put this issue to rest. Once and for all, I'm going to prove that I'm Native American. She takes a DNA test, and it shows that she's only one one-thousandth Native American, one one-thousand-twenty-fourth. So she got so warped by her hatred of Trump and by trying to run against Trump that she opened up this huge vulnerability. She thought that only Trump would go after her as a fake Native American. She's finding out that that isn't true. Her Democrat uh, competitors are now using this to go after her. The New York Times today came out and said, quote, the headline, Elizabeth Warren stands by DNA test, but around her, worries abound. So it goes through how she took the test and it was originally well received by her people. But it, th- then, then the New York Times admits, quote, nearly two months after Mrs. Ms. Warren released the test results and drew hostile reactions from prominent tribal leaders, the lingering cloud over her likely presidential campaign has only darkened. Conservatives have continued to ridicule her. More worrisome to supporters of Ms. Warren's presidential ambitions, she has yet to allay criticism from grassroots progressive groups, liberal political operatives, and other potential 2020 allies who complain that she put too much emphasis on the controversial field of racial science and, in doing so, played into Mr. Trump's hands. That's exactly right. You'll rarely see that the New York Times reports something exactly right. That is exactly what happened. Elizabeth Warren, if she were smart, she would have just ignored the issue. She, she fraudulently pretended to be Native American for decades to advance her career. Then she was exposed. She would stop talking about it if she were smart. What she is instead doing is doubling down on her premise and Donald Trump's premise that uh, her heritage, her ethnic heritage, is the essential fact of her campaign. She's buying the premise. Now, she said, I'm a Native American. That's why I should be promoted in my professional career. Uh, Donald Trump pointed out how absurd it was that she's not a Native American, and she's doubling down. Instead of saying, I have all of this other stuff to offer to the country, what that other stuff is, I have no idea. But instead of saying that, she's saying, yes, I agree. It's all about the race. Where are these uh, news reports coming from? You'll remember that was not how the news reported it when she initially declared that she had taken this DNA test. The initial story that came out, right when she admitted, she said, I'm 1-1000 Native American. Boston Globe runs, quote, Warren reveals test confirming ancestry. And then the subheader, DNA analysis provides evidence of Native American heritage for Senator who has faced Trump's ridicule. This is when they all thought it was going to work. This is when Warren thought it was going to work. It's when her hack Pravda shop at the Boston Globe thought it was going to work. They tried to pretend that a test that showed she might be 1-1000 Native American was evidence of her ancestry, validated her claims, and proved Donald Trump wrong. They've now realized how absurd that is because of the other people, Kamala Harris, Cory Booker, Kirsten Gillibrand, Joe Biden, who the people running against her don't want to go along with this absurd narrative. Maybe Liz Warren could keep a straight face. Maybe her supporters could keep a straight face. Maybe the Boston Globe, which is her personal Pravda, could keep a straight face. But those other Democrats aren't going to deal with it. So those other Democrats are going to be picking up on Donald Trump's line and saying she's Pocahontas and she's a fake and she's a fraud. This was the obvious one. And her presidential hopes, I think, are done. I don't think there's any way for her to come back from this. There are going to be a lot of other candidates in the race. So the the Democrats are going to have a lot of choices. This isn't going to be a repeat of 2016 for the Democrats. 
it's going to be more of a repeat of 2016 for the Republicans on the Democrat side. And uh, there was Camille Paglia, who's a, an excellent feminist, anti-feminist type. She's, she's so far left, she's right. I think she voted for Bernie Sanders for president, but she defended Donald Trump in many ways. And she said that Elizabeth Warren does not appeal to anybody. What she appeals to are left-wing uh, Ivy League credentialed urbanites, the coastal people living in, in a couple of cities in America. And that's right. That's the only group of people that she appeals to. The reason that she's still considered a viable entity is because those are exactly the people who write all of the news stories. So they're the guys who are working at the Boston Globe or wherever. Even that seems to be cracking. The even more nefarious one looks like it's coming from Kamala Harris. So Kamala Harris, senator from California, former attorney general of California, she has been an early lead. I've said that she's probably the scariest person right now. She's scariest in that we don't know much about her. She's clearly pretty intelligent. She checks off the intersectional boxes of the left. She doesn't have the baggage that all of these other people do. Creepy Joe Biden, Pocahontas, Liz Warren, uh, all of the rest of them. So uh, Spartacus, Cory Booker. So that that's the fear. Just today, just out today, there's a negative news story about her. It turns out that Larry Wallace, who worked for Kamala Harris as Attorney General of California and was a senior advisor to her in the Senate, uh, may have sexually harassed an employee of his or an underling of his. And uh, this occurred during the transition from the AG of California office to the Senate. And so California has, has had to pay out $400,000 to settle the lawsuit. That's my tax money. Anyone else who's listening in California, that's your tax money paying that out. And where it gets pretty dicey for her is that they asked Kamala Harris, what about this major lawsuit, almost half a million dollars for one of your senior advisors sexually harassing some woman? And the Harris office said they had no awareness of it. They had no idea what was going on. This is not believable. This is not believable at all. The guy has worked with her in all of her major jobs and the lawsuit occurred on her watch. So either she's lying, which obviously she is, or she's totally incompetent. The office is totally incompetent if they've never heard, heard of this, but it's just not possible. So if the lawsuit's being handled by California, what has happened is she goes to the Senate. She takes this guy, Larry Wallace, with her. He has since left. And uh, the new attorney general of California, Xavier Becerra, is the one who had to handle the settlement of this lawsuit. And so he settled the lawsuit. Do, does anyone really believe that Becerra didn't, didn't talk to the, the Harris office? It's not even possible because Becerra would have had to talk to Wallace about the lawsuit. And Wallace was a senior advisor on the Senate staff at that time. So just simply not believable. But what's really going to hurt her in this is not the lawsuit that she had some employee who maybe sexually harassed somebody. Uh, I mean, I think that's true of every single political office in the entire country. What's going to hurt her is that part of the settlement was that this woman, Danielle Hartley, the employee making the accusations, is not allowed to speak to the media, is not allowed to talk about her experience as part of the settlement. Okay, that's fine. She's getting half a million dollars almost. I guess she can keep quiet from about whatever demeaning comments the guy made to her or harassing comments. But Kamala Harris positioned herself as the champion of the Me Too movement. Kamala Harris was there going after Brett Kavanaugh during all of those hearings. She believes Christine Blasey Ford. She opposes Brett Kavanaugh all but 
painted Brett Kavanaugh to be a, some gang rapist. And we need the truth to be heard. And they've got Alyssa uh, 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 Milano sitting in the rows. We need to be heard. Women's March, me too. And then you find out that one of her employees, the office settled this sexual harassment lawsuit by shutting up the women saying, don't talk about it. You can't go to the media. The major mechanism of the Me Too movement is the media. Without the women going to the media, there is no such thing as a Me Too movement. The whole point of the Me Too movement was these women feared professional reprisal. They had been backed into settlements where they couldn't talk about anything. They were fear, uh, afraid of all of these sort of things, afraid for their careers. And then they go to Ronan Farrow at the New Yorker, and then there's a big expose, and enough of these exposés take down the guys in question. This one uh, is going to require some answering. I think Kamala Harris will basically get over uh, her poor demeanor at those Kavanaugh hearings. I don't think people are going to remember that really in 2020. They will remember this because this is going to dog her with her own base. doesn't matter, uh, you know, if, if Kamala Harris could win the general, if she can't win the nomination. And the, the big question is, where did this story come from? I mean, this is so in the weeds. Who uh, We're supposed to care about Larry Wallace, the senior advisor for the Senate in a lawsuit that was then paid out by the California Secretary of State, or I'm sorry, the, the California Attorney General. Who, where is this coming from? This is not coming from reporters. Reporters rarely do their jobs anymore. This is not coming from conservatives. Conservatives don't care about her yet. This is coming from either Elizabeth Warren or Cory Booker or... Kirsten Gillibrand or Sherrod Brown or any of these people. And you don't know which ones it, it's coming from. People forget that uh, in, in tw- 2008, this whole, the whole birther controversy, whether Barack Obama was uh, born in the United States or not, that was pushed by associates of the Hillary Clinton campaign. That wasn't invented by Donald Trump. That wasn't invented by Fox News. That was initially pushed by by the people who push these things, which are the Democrat opponents uh, or, or the people within your own party who are trying to get the nomination to then go to the general election. This is just a little taste. Ooh, we're just going to get, we're going to get so much more of this because all of the names that I've just mentioned, they're all running. Joe Biden has all but said he's running. Uh, obviously, Booker and Kamala Harris are, are basically already out on the campaign trail. But now we know Andrew Gillum, who was, is the failed socialist candidate for Florida governor, he just was beaten out by uh, Ron DeSantis. We know that he's eyeing a run. He was asked whether he's going to run or not. And all he said was, well, the only thing I'm planning now is to be at home with my wife. That's the only thing I'm planning now. And I'm going to help out whoever the Democrat nominee is. He doesn't say he's not going to be the Democrat nominee. And he says, I'm not. So it looks like he's trying to do it. And Andrew Gillum just met with Barack Obama at Obama's office. So they're all trying to get the, uh, the blessing of Barack Obama. It wasn't just Gillum who met with him. Another failed Democrat 2018 candidate, Robert Francis Beto O'Rourke, just met with Obama as well. CBS is super duper excited about this one. Here's CBS on the prospect of candidate Beto. Beto O'Rourke lost the race to become the next U.S. senator from Texas, but his campaign excited Democrats across the country, and some would like to see him run for the presidential nomination in 2020. That excitement around a potential O'Rourke candidacy is complicating matters for other potential candidates. Politico reports that key donors and strategists are waiting to see if O'Rourke runs before committing to any one candidate. 
Ooh, they're so excited. The drunk driving, hit and run, cross-dressing loser congressman. Ooh, he could be the nominee. They're so excited. He's another one. Uh, there are a number of others as well. We'll get to them in a second. But first, in, let me invite you into my boudoir. Speaking of cross-dressing, no, no. What are we talking about? I want to talk to you about, so today is all about making your body feel better and Purple mattress truly makes me feel better. I, you know, I sleep at least 18 hours a day. And so I wake up, I was on the road all the last two weeks, basically sleeping on those awful beds. I sleep on purple mattress for the last couple nights. I feel so much better. It is my favorite mattress. It is simply terrific. It is, it is different. It will feel different than any other mattress that you've experienced because this is using a brand new material that was developed by an actual rocket scientist. It is not like the memory foam that you, some of you are used to. It's it's not like box spring, inner spring mattress. It is unique. It's both firm and soft at the same time. I know that sounds like it doesn't make any sense. It does. Just take my word for it. It, it is both of those things. It is the greatest mattress ever. Um, you'll feel really supported. You'll feel really comfortable. It's breathable. It sleeps really cool. I just love this thing. I'm proselytizing for purple, a purple proselytizer. You will get a 100-night risk-free trial. If you're not fully satisfied, you can return your mattress for a full refund, backed by 10-year warranty, free shipping and returns. You won't need any of that. You'll get free in-home setup and old mattress removal. You, you will not need to return it. You will love it, I'm telling you. You're going to love purple right now, my listeners. Get a free purple pillow with the purchase of a mattress. That is a very expensive and nice pillow, so do it. That's in addition to the great free gifts they're offering Site Ride. If you want that pillow, text COFEFE, C-O-V-F-E-F-E, to 474747. The only way to get this purple pillow is to text this free purple pillow, COFEFE, C-O-V-F-E-F-E, to 474747, C-O-V-F-E-F-E, to 474747. Message and data rates may apply. They're so excited, the mainstream media, about candidate Beto. So he's meeting with him too. Uh, They're all meeting. It is going to be chaos. If you thought, if you thought that the 2016 Republican presidential nomination was crazy and wild and, ooh, we have Trump and, ooh, we got these, and little Marco and he's making uh, penis jokes during national debates and he's doing a Rickles routine in Florida and, ooh, Ted Cruz's father is being accused of killing JFK and, ooh, this, and I mean, there's so much, and John Kasich is being John Kasich, I don't know, he's eating like a slob and doing whatever. Okay, if you thought that was crazy, oh baby, just wait until 2020. Christmas is coming early. This is, these are the first little pricks, the first little knife jabs of the 2020 race. It is going to get ugly really fast. There are already so many candidates. Don't count out Hillary. You'd be crazy to count out Hillary. Hillary is, is behaving as though she's running. Unfortunately, she's trying to sell out these 20,000-seat auditoriums for her tour with her husband, and the tickets are now selling for $6 a piece. They're canceling dates. It's not going well. The, this uh, floating of the 2020 Hillary race is not looking too good, but it is going to be a bloodbath, and it's going to be so much crazier than 2020 because you've still got the Trump. You still have the Trump factor there, and the, Donald Trump has whipped these Democrats into such a frenzy that they're making really stupid mistakes, like the Liz Warren DNA test. They're, uh, they're not covering their bases, like Kamala Harris trying to cover up this sexual harassment lawsuit in her office. They're, they're really not playing smart. When you get angry, you get mad, and you get stupid. You start playing really stupid politics. We're going to get a whole year's worth of stupid politics. So stay tuned and get excited. Uh, but speaking, <laughs> you know, talk about a perfect segue. Speaking of stupid politics, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez has a lot to say on the climate 
I've been getting a lot of hate mail for my stance on Fox News and on this show yesterday about uh, the moral incoherence of veganism and how leftist environmentalism is an inversion of the natural order. Uh, let, I'll, just, I'll just let Ocasio-Cortez I- explain to you, demonstrate to you that moral incoherence. It's not just possible that we will create jobs and economic activity by, tr- by uh, transitioning to renewable energy, but it's inevitable that we are going to create jobs. It's inevitable that we're going to create industry. And it's inevitable that we can use the transition to 100% renewable energy as the vehicle to truly deliver and establish economic, social, and racial justice in the United States of America. Environmental, social, and racial justice by making gasoline more expensive? Environmental, which ironically will disproportionately hurt black people, it will disproportionately hurt black people who are at the lower end of the socioeconomic ladder, and which disproportionately includes racial minorities. So that's going to bring about, how is that going to bring about racial justice by not driving gas guzzling cars? How is that going to, that doesn't, what they're using environmentalism for is to replace all other uh, religious and moral systems. This is the virtue. This is the evidence of virtue. What's funny is what she said doesn't make any sense. Obviously, if you think about the words for two seconds, she hasn't said anything. She hasn't explained how making gas more expensive is going to bring about all of this justice. She hasn't explained how it's even going to help the environment. We actually know it won't help the environment. There was uh, that study out about the impacts of the Paris Climate Accord. It said it wouldn't reduce warming in any significant way at all, even over the course of a century. So they haven't even made the argument that helping the environment will help the environment. But certainly they haven't made the environment, uh, the, the argument that helping the environment is going to bring about racial and economic and social equality, when actually there's a lot of evidence that will, it will exacerbate inequalities and injustices. But one thing that I have really admired about Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, and I think a real key for her success is that she says things with utter confidence. She says words that don't mean anything with such confidence that I think probably 98% of people just buy it, just believe her. She could sit there and say, banana, banana, flim, flam, flim, shimmy, doodop, oranges, bicycles, aeronautical engineers. And she, and she would say it with that seriousness and she'd, kind of, she'd hit the table to emphasize her point. And m- most people who kind of tune out politics, they would just get the impression of a serious person making a serious point. And she does that. The left does that disproportionately. And it's, I think that is a key to her success. But the, the, uh, the, the moral significance w- with which they are imbuing this environmental cause is truly an inversion. Because you don't hear them talking about people. You would think that the, the power to the people type socialist, populist demagogues, they would celebrate that we have radically dwindling black unemployment, radically dwindling Hispanic unemployment, virtually no unemployment in the country. We have more jobs than people to fill that. The people's uh, checkbooks are increasing. Their wealth is increasing. Their real wages are increasing. You would think that this would be a, a good thing and they would celebrate that. They don't care about the people. 
They think that the people are there to serve the natural environment. They're imbuing the natural physical environment with divine qualities. They're trying to serve it as an idol, as a, as a false and substitute religion. And it, it is bizarre, but that, that is what happens. Because when you get rid of traditional religion, it's not that you now don't have religion. Everybody's got to serve somebody. Nature abhors a vacuum. And that will be replaced by something else, like the president left-wing slate of nature worship. Nature worship. And by the way, apropos of nothing, if you're sitting there wondering how you can look like me, how, how you can look this snazzy these holidays, maybe wear a nice comfy little sweater, go over to dailywire.com, click the store at the top of the page. That will take you to the Daily Wire Amazon merch store. There you will be dazzled by our limited time Christmas and Hanukkah offerings, including the Facts Don't Care About Your Feelings hoodie, the Get Lit Gang Ben Shapiro Hanukkah sweater. That's the one where his head is a menorah. It's pretty funny. And the Four Wise Men Daily Wire ugly Christmas sweater that I'm wearing. You can also get the Shapiro University. I, I can take a little credit here. I, I helped out on some of the Latin that is on that shirt. It's one of my favorites <laughs> in the store. So they have a lot of stuff. Go to dailywire.com, click the store at the top of the page and fill your stockings of your conservative friends and more importantly of your leftist friends. You know, share facts this holiday season. On real politics, not on Ocasio-Cortez fantasy politics, there's a rumor swirling around that President Trump will replace Mike Pence as vice president. These rumors have been swirling for a little while. I basically ignore them. I don't take them very seriously. The reason that they're getting more buzz now is you saw that meeting with Nikki Haley when she announced she was going to leave as UN ambassador. She got an Oval Office meeting. He talked about how great she was, how she could come back to any role in the administration that she wants. And so now she's about to actually leave her post by the end of the year as UN ambassador. And she's been meeting secretly with Donald Trump in in the last days of her term as UN ambassador. What's raised a number of eyebrows is that these meetings with the president have not been on the public schedule. So what are they talking about? What, ha, what are they talking about that they haven't already talked about? And why aren't these meetings being made public? Um, Vanity Fair is reporting this. So again, take it with a grain of salt. The argument for Nikki Haley replacing Mike Pence is one, it would be absolutely just delicious if Republicans got the first female vice president in there. That would just be so great. Not, I mean, who cares? I don't care if it's a man or a woman exactly, but it would be great because the left would be very angry about it that they didn't get the opportunity to do it. That, that I would really enjoy that. She's also uh, pretty hard charging. She's uh, obviously camera friendly, as it were. And she is a an executive type in the sense that many people think she would make a viable presidential candidate. Okay. And now is she the most conservative? It doesn't seem like it. Is she, she seems fine though. Whatever. She's been a good UN ambassador and uh, President Trump shouldn't do it. He should not replace Mike Pence. The argument for replacing Mike Pence is that Mike Pence, well, he may have added something in 2016. He doesn't add anything now. They're not worried about it losing Indiana. Uh, he doesn't add evangelical Christians. Trump already has the evangelical Christians. So he doesn't add that. Do not replace Mike Pence. It is a very, very bad idea to replace Mike Pence. Mike Pence has been supremely loyal. He has been maybe the most loyal member of this administration. He is he's excellent. He's really, really conservative. He's, he was a really effective governor. He was a really good congressman. He's just terrific. He's one of my favorite politicians in the country. But also, the, the benefit that President Trump would get by replacing Pence on the ticket, you know, having this 
super hot UN ambassador lady uh, who's also smart and you know d- d- does very well on the campaign trail. Any benefit that you would get would be decimated by the by the chaos and the instability and the apparent uh, playing from a position of losing, of ditching your vice president. It just doesn't look good. It would irritate a lot of conservatives. It would irritate a lot of Christian voters. And it would it would just make Donald Trump seem desperate. It would make him seem like he thinks he's going to lose, like he's got to change something or, or he's not going to win re-election. Really bad idea. I assume it's nothing more than nonsense, but if it is more than nonsense, don't do it. Do, Mr. President, I know I usually have to make these arguments on Fox and Friends if I want President Trump to hear them. But if you're watching, if anybody in the White House is watching, do not do it. Okay. Uh, now, speaking of news stations that I never, ever watch and that nobody watches, over on CNN, uh, Chris Cuomo and Don Lemon are exposing themselves, uh, fortunately not physically exposing themselves, but Don Lemon is being exposed by Chris Cuomo for being frivolous, for being petty, for being small, for being mean. Here's the exchange. I don't think I would shake hands with him. I don't know. I would just, nope, couldn't do it. I'm not that big a person. I would hope that I would be, but I don't, uh, I can't fake the funk, as they say. I'm not saying the Obamas did that, but there, there they go. Let me show you, I want to show you something. You Let me show you to. what I would have done. Okay, come here. Come here, go Don. Ahead. Come here, Don. Try oh, to shake poor Don. Hand. Try to go. You're petty and small. Not petty and small. That's real, brother. That's real. And, and, and real it petty shows and small. you this is not, I don't have to shake your hand. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. But again, you keep saying me, me, I, I. There are former presidents. I'm talking they about a lot of something. folks. Two thoughts. One, this is the first truthful thing that has been uttered on CNN in a long time. Don Lemon is petty and small. And he probably wouldn't shake the hand of President Trump. That's, that's true. Um, but also, just look at this. This is CNN. This is facts first. This is that apples aren't bananas. These are the serious news guys. What is this bit? What is that, like, what shtick were we just watching there? Uh, it's, it's actually pretty entertaining TV, but what on earth is, that's facts first. That's real journalism. Give me a break. Don Lemon is small and petty and weird, though. There's no question about that. Don Lemon, uh, also yesterday, I think, made a, an oral sex joke on the air, uh, totally gratuitously. Here he is. John Dean, he's the John bee's Dean. knees. <gasps> oh, shoot. I don't know if that's okay. I think it passes. You're, you're, Dean Lemon, major. I'll be seeing you in a second. Don't be so, um, don't be a chicken head, okay? I don't know what that means. I just said it. <laughs> yeah, no, I know. Most of what idea. you say offends logic more than it does Peter. I'll Goodbye. talk to you later. Take him off the screen. For those who don't know, a chicken head is somebody who likes to perform fellatio at a high frequency. That's what a chicken head is. And by the way, the people who know the word chicken head know what chicken head means. <laughs> the, the Venn diagram of people who know the word and who know what it means is, is just a circle. It's one circle. So Don Lemon said that. He makes an oral sex joke. He immediately knows that people like me are going to call him out for it. So then he says, I don't know what that means. Yeah, yes, you do. You know what it means. And the way we know that this is true, by the way, is that CNN has a long history of making oral sex jokes. Here is other super serious journalist, Anderson Cooper, calling Republican uh, uh, fellatio giving deviance. Here he is. Republicans have got away. They still haven't found their voice, Anderson. They're still, they're, they, this happens to a minority party after it's lost a couple of bad elections, but they're searching for their voice. It's hard to talk when you're teabagging. Uh, David Gergen, appreciate <laughs> it very much. Ellie Velshi as well. Thanks very much. It's hard to talk when you're teabagging. If you don't know what that is, Beato tu. Good. Lucky you. Don't Google it. Uh, but that's the, I mean, he's making a very graphic 
very graphic sex joke on the air. So this is what CNN does. I'm just glad that they're admitting that they're small and they're petty and they're mostly meaningless and they're, they're, they do not rise to any standards of dignity because certainly they do not. We've got a whole lot more to get to, but I guess we're not going to. Too bad. We'll get to that next week. Uh, we've got a lot of mailbag to get to. So if you're on dailywire.com, thank you very much. You keep Kofefe in my cup. You keep the lights on. If you're not, go to dailywire.com. It's 10 bucks a month, $100 for an annual membership. You get me, you get the Andrew Clavin Show, you get the Ben Shapiro Show, you get to ask questions in the mailbag, you get to ask questions in the conversation, you get to ask questions in the backstage. You get so much stuff, but none of that matters. This is what matters. This is what matters. Elizabeth Warren getting called out by the New York Times. Kamala Harris having to answer for a Me Too sexual harassment scandal. Oh, it's just, I'm just getting the little aperitif of that, the aperitif of leftist tears. We're going to get the whole cocktail pretty soon as the 2020 race moves on. Make sure you have your leftist tears tumbler for it. Come on right back. We'll be right back with the mailbag. I'm going to burn through these questions today. From Zachary, Magic Mike, you so often kindly invite us into your boudoir, so I'd like to invite you into mine, okay? My fiance and I are to be married one month from today. We have strictly followed the church's teachings on premarital relations. What do I need to know about the marital embrace before our bodies become one in the sacrament? Love the show, Zachary. Um, Think about baseball. Think about, you've got the, you've got a runner on second, you've got a batter at the plate, all right, the batter hits a, it's a line drive, goes right up between the third baseman and the shortstop. The runner on second is going around, he's okay, you've got the guy, he's rounding first, the left fielder fields the ball, he throws it, shortstops the cutoff, they're trying to make a play at the plate because the guy's rounding third, he goes, he's safe, he's safe, and the batter goes in with a stand-up double. At this point, if you have made it this far, congratulations. I hope you've enjoyed your first experience of this blessed union. Uh, next time, try to get through an inning. Maybe you've conceived a child. I don't know. That's, my, that's the only advice that I'm willing to give on this program. I wish you the many blessings in your marriage and uh, the rest of your lives together. From Margo, dear Pope Kofefe, did you watch Ben's recent Sunday special with Pastor MacArthur? How would you respond to MacArthur's erroneous claims regarding the Catholic Church and the Dark Ages? Why do some Protestants seem to have such a negative perspective toward Catholicism? Is there any hope of unity among Christians? God bless and happy Advent. Uh, yes, I did listen to that. I felt there was much of it that was worthwhile. And on many topics, uh, John MacArthur is quite educated and makes interesting and good points. On the topic of the years uh, 0 to 1500, he made some mistakes, some things that were uh, clearly not true, that were demonstrably wrong. Uh, He says in the, I I encourage everybody to go listen to it. It's a really good conversation. He says that the church was good for the first few hundred years, but then around the time of Constantine, it got really bad, and the West was thrown into dark ages for a thousand years, almost until, coincidentally, the Protestant Revolution. And this is just uh, not true. The 
the, uh, the so-called dark ages never existed. If, if Pastor MacArthur were right in that claim, then I guess Thomas Aquinas never existed. If, if he were right in that claim, I guess Dante Alighieri never existed. In, the, in his comments, he says that people didn't have a personal relationship with God for, for a thousand years. Uh, I, I, I think Dante would beg to differ. I think uh, the countless saints of the church during that period uh, would beg to differ. Um, he says that until the time of Constantine, there was no infant baptism. That, that isn't true. Um, Peter calls for the baptism of children, or at least permits it in Acts, he says, uh, for the promise is to you and to your children that all are to, are to be welcomed, that all are to be welcomed into Christ. Um, every one of you, uh, this doesn't uh, exclude children. Uh, we, we know Christ touches even infants in Luke. We know that uh, Paul, St. Paul says the baptism has replaced circumcision. And obviously circumcision occurs, I think, eight days after birth, something like that. Obviously that occurs on infants. Uh, Origen, writing long before the third or fourth century, writing, Origen was born in the second century, in the 100s, says that infant baptism is traditional. Irenaeus uh, says, uh, refers to infant baptism as traditional in the second century. So, uh, so th that claim isn't, isn't quite right. Um, as for, uh, he talks about how the church would not allow anyone to read the Bible in any other language. That isn't true. The reason why that uh, Bibles were not commonly held in households is because the printing press didn't exist yet. Bibles were extraordinarily expensive. The Bible was under lock and key because the Bible was very, very valuable. Once the printing press came around, that was just fine. Before the Luther German translation of the Bible, there were 18 other German translations of the Bible. So, uh, you're, you're right. There was a lot of commentary that came on Twitter. I received a lot of it saying that MacArthur was, was totally wrong in his, in his conversation. And I think that takes it too far. He, his comments about the so-called dark ages are not true, but there's so much else in that conversation that is so worthwhile and interesting to get his perspective on that I, I highly encourage you not to be uh, deterred by that and to go listen because he's got a lot of interesting things to say, and I think the back and forth between uh, him and Ben was really, really good. From Carl, hi, Michael. Assuming you and little old Elisa end up having kids, would you want them to go to your alma mater for undergraduate, where they can get Plan B from a vending machine, apparently, or would you prefer at 17 or 18 years old uh, that they not be thrown into an environment uh, away from home that's hostile to Judeo-Christian values? Thanks. This is a really tough question. I've been around, I, I spoke at Franciscan University of Steubenville, which is very uh, Catholic, very um, very conservative. Uh, what I was so impressed by those students. Obviously, there's Hillsdale is a great conservative-leaning college. Thomas Aquinas College out here. There, there are a handful of them. So where do you want them to go? Do you want them to go to a place where they probably would get a better education or a fuller education or a more classical education or a less wacky education? Or do you want them to go to the place with the name brand, Yale, Harvard, Princeton, where they can get a job on Wall Street and make a zillion dollars or get into med school or something like that? It depends on the kid, I think. I benefited greatly from being in a place where I was surrounded by left-wingers. You can make of a Yale education whatever you want. Uh, I, I could have made a better use of it, certainly. I, I could have taken a, a, a more rigorous classes in some regard. In my senior year, I took a class called the Physics of Dance because <laughs> I had to fulfill a science requirement. So, you know, you, you can kind of make of it what you will. What I found was being around all those left-wingers made me really think through my views, made me much stronger in my views. I went into Yale, and basically an atheist, and I came out of it open to 
atheism. And a couple years later, I was a professing Christian. So I think it really depends on the kid. Um, if, if I think the kid can benefit from, and the kid is a little contrarian, and the kid could benefit from being around all those bullets, I'd, I'd probably send him there. If, if he wants to become a seminarian or, uh, or, or something like that, then probably he should go to, uh, to a more conservative place. From Jeremy, where did you get your smoking jacket? I got it from my godmother for Christmas. It's from Paul Stewart, and they don't make it anymore because apparently nobody buys smoking jackets. Apparently, oh, it's only, the only customers are me and 19th century English dandies, so you can't even buy the jacket anymore. It's too bad. If you can find a smoking jacket, they're a great investment. They really do work. They actually keep the smoke off of your other clothing. From Darren, does the church offer any insight as to why Jesus arrived on earth during the specific time when he did? Thanks, love the show, Darren. It's a very good question. The God King, lowercase g, lowercase k, Jeremy Boring, made this great point the other day on backstage, which, are, which is the bizarre uh, similarities between Christ who arrives, uh, the Prince of Peace arrives signaled by a star. He is the Son of God who ushers in an era of, of peace, on, peace for man. And you've got, at the same time, uh, Caesar Augustus, Octavian, ascending to the throne in Rome. When Julius Caesar died, there was a comet that they saw going by, and they took this to mean that Caesar was, in, in a sense, divine. And so, uh, the, so Caesar Augustus, his adopted son, was called uh, Filius Divi, son of the divine. Christ is Filius Dei, son of God. And uh, Octavian, Caesar Augustus, ushers in the Pax Romana, the, the period of peace on earth. Those similarities are really beautiful. The Christian view of the world is a semiotic view. It appreciates the symbolism throughout the world. That symbolism is really hard to deny. And uh, there's that great Alexander Pope line, all nature is but art unknown to thee, all chance direction which thou canst not see. From Noah, hi, Michael. He who smells of potpourri. Ah, ah, that's kind of weak. I was curious about the inverted cross and other cross variants. Having listened to metal music for some time, I'm familiar with its use as a purportedly satanic symbol, but was recently inspired to look into its meaning within Christianity. Could you elaborate on the symbol and meaning, uh, or the history and meaning of this symbol? Yes, a very misunderstood symbol. It's an upside down cross. So it's, the, it's called the Petrine cross, and it's the cross of St. Peter. Because when Christ tells Peter in, in the Bible, you are going to stretch out your arms, you're going to be crucified, and you're going to, uh, I think it's in the Gospel of John, and at this point, uh, Peter would have already been crucified, and you are going to go down the road and you're going to follow me in my crucifixion. And when St. Peter was crucified, and this is attested to by a number of ancient sources, he, he asked to be crucified upside down because he didn't feel that he was worthy of being crucified in the same manner as the master. So he was crucified upside down, and that is why some people wear the Petrine cross, the upside down cross. This is not the same as an upside down crucifix. If you were to have the crucifix, which is the cross with Christ's body on it, and to wear that upside down, that would be a satanic symbol. That's trying to invert the cross. But the cross itself, upside down, is a a symbol of St. Peter and St. Peter's humility and devotion. Now, as with symbols, it, it depends how you're using them. If somebody is using the upside down cross as a satanic symbol, then, then that is what that symbol is going to connote. But it has a long history in Christianity and uh, in good faith should be uh, embraced. From Zachary, to the best podcast host, 
I've been listening to your podcast for quite some time now, and the Thursday shows are always my favorite because of the mailbag. Now I'm sure you get tons of mailbag questions. How do you choose which ones you respond to? I would love to know how you pick them. Sincerely, the guy who thinks you are much better than Ben. The way that I pick them is I look for people who sign their emails, the guy who thinks your show is better than Ben's, and then uh, that's the question that I use. That's the answer. From Catherine, dear Michael, do you have any recommendations for Advent readings or resources for someone who is new to the traditional observance of Advent? Thank you very much. Yes, the book that I read last year is the book that you should all read for Advent. It's incredible. It's by Pope Emeritus Benedict XVI, and it's, uh, I think it's Jesus, the Infancy Narrative. I think that's what it's called. He has a trilogy on Jesus, and it's the first one. I I think it was actually written last, but it's Uh, sequentially, it's the first one, which is about the nativity and the infancy of Christ. It's a very short book. It's eminently readable. It is so profoundly moving. That is what everybody should be reading for Advent. That was recommended to me as Advent reading by Andrew Clavin, and that's a man who has written books with words, so you know that you can trust the recommendation. From David, Mr. Knowles, I feel like you've answered this question previously. Well, then why are you asking me, dude? I'll I'll go on. But what translation of the Bible would you suggest a new reader start with? I've been to church plenty of times. I've watched Jordan Peterson's lectures on the Bible multiple times, but it struck me that I haven't actually sat and read it front to back. Thanks. Love the show. DJ. I recommend the revised standard version, the Catholic edition specifically, not the regular RSV, but the Catholic edition. That's important. Or the uh, English standard version, the ESV. Those are, and the KJV is the most beautiful, um, the King James version, but uh, if you want one that's a little more modern and readable, the RSV CE or the ESV, those are the two best. From Rosemary, I'm a female evangelical dating a male Catholic. What do I need to know? We're both conservatives that love Jesus. You need to watch his, his wrist when he's pouring the wine. The conservatives, I notice, more than the evangelicals, they got a pretty liberal pour, you know, when they're, they're out on dates. You got to watch out for that. That's my own. <laughs> It's my only advice. Take it from someone who knows. Take it from an expert. All right, that's all. That's all I've got. Enjoy your dates. You'll have a you'll have a wonderful life together. I hope. <laughs> that's our show. Uh, come back. That's uh, that's all for the weekend. So make sure you binge Another Kingdom because the Another Kingdom season two is coming to an end. I think the last episode is coming out on Monday, and it is really good. It I. I can say this because I didn't write it. Even Drew said it, though. You know, he, we were doing, the, we were doing the, re- the recording of it, and he comes and he says, I got to tell you, the ending of this season is really good. And then I read it, and it is really good. So if you aren't caught up, catch up on it. It's exceptionally moving. I really, really like it. And, uh, and then we'll have to get ready for season three, God willing. That's our show. In the meantime, I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. Have a good weekend. The Michael Knowles Show is produced by Senia Villarreal. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Senior producer, Jonathan Hay. Our supervising producer, Mathis Glover. And our technical producer is Austin Stevens. Edited by Jim Nickel. Audio is mixed by Mike Coromina. Hair and makeup is by Jesua Olvera. The Michael Knowles Show is a Daily Wire Forward Publishing production. Copyright Forward Publishing 2018. Hey, everyone. Over on the Matt Wall Show today, we're talking about the uh, disturbing case of an apparently innocent law-abiding gun owner who was shot in the back by police and killed. And his case is just one of several like it in recent months. Is there a problem with the way that police deal with the public? I haven't always thought so, but now I do. And we'll talk about why on the Matt Wall Show today. Come and check it out.